0: Howdy and welcome to the Confidence Through Health podcast. I'm Jerry Snyder. As an elite level athlete, owner of All In Health and Wellness, and author of the book Confidence Through Health, my goal is to help you achieve your goals and dreams using health as the conduit to get there. This podcast is brought to you in part by Social Media Cowboys. They are a digital media agency that helps businesses get found online. Websites, social media, AdWords, geofencing, and much, much more. If you need help with online marketing, they are here for your business. Social media cowboys, practical solutions for real businesses. All right, everybody. This week, uh, I'm doing another interview uh, with uh, Dr. Scott Platman. He is a primary care physician. He actually was my primary care physician, um, and would still be, except for uh, you know how the health insurance works, and they let you work with some doctors and not others, and so I had to choose a different doctor. Um, but if you're in the Waco area, I would highly recommend. I, I have actually highly recommended um Dr. Blackman uh as a primary care physician. He's he's one of the best in town um that you can get into. If your insurance allows you to, to visit him. Um so wanted to uh welcome Scott to the to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Jerry. Glad to be here.
0: All right. So uh the first question, obviously when you're talking to, you know, a doctor. A lot of people are like, you know, why do I need a doctor? Why do I need to go see him? Why do I need to see? Him? What? Why does someone need a primary care physician?
1: That's a good question. I think uh, we sort of try to make ourselves uh, relevant to mm-hmm. the medical profession as it pertains to you know, offering folks something tangible uh, that they can benefit from in terms of their short-term and long-term health. I think it boils down to a couple different groups of people uh, that might benefit from primary care physician access. Uh, One of those groups is folks who already have some other disease states. Um, They've got diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, they've got asthma or depression, or they've got some other sort of disease that they need, either somebody like me to help them manage, um, help them with uh, medication management if necessary, good diet, exercise, weight management, what have you, um, and guide them through uh, the The absolute uh, deluge of information that they would otherwise uh, have access to on the internet and through friends and relatives, neighbors, anybody else who has information about uh, what made them better or Uncle Bob or Aunt Sue or whatever, and help them to pick out uh, the good stuff, the bad stuff from that and make sense of it all, put it in some sort of cohesive plan uh, that they can live better with within their disease state. Right. The second group of people though... Uh, the benefit for me are the folks that really don't have any pro- any problems at all, but they want to be ahead of any problems that might come. Um, we are all aging uh, right. day after day, some of us a little faster than others. Um, but uh, there's expected uh, things that happen to us from a, from a health stand- standpoint that are preventable, uh, they're foreseeable, they're predictable. Right. Um, and from my perspective, uh, there are also uh, things that can be mitigated through uh, changes in lifestyle, lifestyle, um, you a know, healthy perspective on uh, things that you can do, things that you um, can take charge of, can, can own about your health. Um, I, I think that far too many times um, people, patients of mine, are told all the don'ts. Don't right. do this, don't do that. Um, right. And they're not told enough about the do's, uh, all the things they can do. Um, and specifically, more specifically, given guidance about, how to do uh, right. rather than just, okay, go do it and come back and see me in a year. Right. Um, and that's where I think the real value of my relationship with people comes in play is when I can help them make sense of the do's, not just all the don'ts that they have been hearing all their life.
0: Right. Well, and that's, that is one of the major struggles is you get, you get told, well, I can't have this and I can't have that. You can't do this anymore. And then, you know, you sit back and you go, well, those are the things I've always done all my life. So what, what's left?
1: Exactly. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't don't eat these donuts. Don't do that. Uh, don't sit on your duff all day long. Um, and uh, all you hear is the negative, negative, negative. It's frustrating. It's um, uh, it's demoralizing. Right. It's, it, for a lot of people, it's a slap in the face to their uh, to the way of life that they've led for mm-hmm. as long as they've been alive. And in many cases, it's even a slap in the face of their culture uh, that they've right. been brought up a certain way. Uh, eating a certain way performing a certain way in terms of lifestyle and it's uh, it's based on their perception of what their culture has taught them and telling them anything other than that is is an insult right um, and uh, you, you have to be sensitive to the idea that um, you know folks can do better within their cultural um, uh, sort of preconceptions of what they should be doing in life and still live very well within that they just have to be aware of the pitfalls. Uh, beware of the minefields that are out there and the stuff that they do all the time and makes them unhealthy. We all right. have maladaptive behaviors, um, things that we see that we don't do well. We don't sleep well. And so we have a little drink before bedtime. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it puts us to sleep, but then it wakes us up four hours later and then we, we don't get a good night's sleep because of the drink that we had before bedtime. Um, we uh, We tend to uh, have maladaptive behaviors to, to sleep as it pertains to um, eating, for example. If Folks have something to eat before bedtime. Um, makes them sleepy, and that's true. Right. But again, it raises their core body temperature. So four hours right. later, bing, they're awake and they don't go to sleep again. But we've learned these behaviors over time thinking they're helping us, when in actuality they're just making us more and more uh, debilitated by whatever thing we were trying to treat. Um, and, and that's where, I, again, I think somebody who has uh, the bigger picture uh, can look at things and say, okay, well, uh, I know that you started doing this because it was helping and was doing this because it seemed like it was helping, but here's the reality of that. And here's what right. we can do differently to roll that backwards and so if right. we can undo any sort of problems that's causing you. Um, it, it helps, I think, for folks to have an external percept, uh, uh, perspective on their life. Somebody looking at the snapshot of their life and saying, okay, well, here's the little parts that I see that we might make a difference in. Right. And it's not another pill, it's not another prescription, it's not another specialist, it's not another procedure, it's not all that, it's none of this newfangled, uh, high-tech um, sort of approach to medicine. It's more nuts and bolts, you know, old, stu- old school stuff that you've been told since you were a kid by your parents. Right. It's just been kind of lost in time and lost in the interpretation of all the other deluge of information we get on a day to basis. It's frustrating. Right,
0: right. Um, no, that's true. And one of the things that uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've said it on this podcast before is that one of the things that we've lost generationally is the life skill of understanding how to eat properly. And so when we don't know how to eat properly, we, can't allow, we don't allow our bodies to heal themselves by providing the proper nutrients, um, which then exacerbates all the issues. So, Absolutely. Um,
1: Absolutely, and, and I think one of the, uh, again, and, and I'll say again, is that, um, you know, as it pertains to eating healthy, um, there's so much misinformation out right. there about what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating, um, and most of that information is based on achievement of very short-term goals. right. Uh, I want to lose 10 pounds, um, I want to make my cholesterol go down 10 points, um, I want to fit into a dress size by Christmas, Right. Um, I want to be able to have enough energy to run this 5k tomorrow. Um, uh, the, these kinds of dietary um, short-term goals, again, lead to maladaptive behaviors right. um, as a means to an end. Uh, you know, you rob Peter to pay Paul, you, you you end up doing something that's ultimately probably bad for you, but has an immediate short-term goal that is healthy by most people's right. standards. And the danger, the, the big mistake people make, is that they extrapolate that short-term benefit to a long-term benefit. Right. And, and that's where it falls apart. Um, much of the information that we have uh, that that's studied. So, uh, you know, these are real studies that are done on folks about uh, low carb low protein, high protein, high fat, low fat, um all these kinds of dietary uh, recommendations they're all based on sixty day data or ninety day data right um, they're not two years and five years and ten years data right and so um this the short term benefit that's studied being extrapolated to long term health outcomes that that's completely false and and it's completely missing. It's not to say that. Every one of those dietary recommendations, the advice given is necessarily bad. It's just that they're all being um, promoted as being healthy because of the short term data. And and you can't make that leap to long term health without something else that shows you that that data is there. Right. And, and that's where a lot of it's missing.
0: No, yeah, I agree. One of the uh, actually things that I, I was researching this morning um, on gut health and, and you know, it, One of the things that happens, you eat and the food gets broken down in your gut and then it creates all your enzymes and your um, hormones and your neurotransmitters and everything that's used throughout your body. And interesting thing that he said was that um, if you just decide to go cold turkey tomorrow and eat a healthy diet, you've been eating the standard American diet, the SAD diet, you know, for 20, 30 years, and you got a report from your doctor you're going to go cold turkey tomorrow and start eating... Healthy diet, well, you might have those changes for a week or two where you see some noticeable change, and then all of a sudden you plateau and nothing changes and nothing changes and nothing changes. And part of the reason is it. It. they said it takes 18 to 24 months for your gut to truly regenerate and go, okay, this is now how I'm going to act properly. And so it is those long-term effects have to be realized, and that just comes from compounding the same slow, methodical, healthy habits, day after day.
1: And, and I've got nothing against having short-term goals. I've got nothing against folks who want to lose 10 pounds or want to a an mm-hmm. dress size by Christmas, who want to get trained up for a 5K this December. They want to go do the, you know, the jingle bell run. Right. Great. Um, as long as that's a motivation to keep them um, doing whatever it is that they're doing to to maintain good long-term health. So. I mean, if, if that what's is that if that's what drags them out of bed at six o'clock in the morning to go for their morning run. Right. If that's what keeps them up on a four o'clock on a Saturday morning to go run with a group or to go to the gym, if that's the motivation they need as a surrogate marker, a short-term goal to keep them uh, to keep them on their drive to stay alive, I got no problem with that at all, and and I've used that technique over my lifetime mm-hmm. um, many times. Uh, you know. I, I otherwise wouldn't probably have stayed motivated to do certain kinds of exercises and dietary habits. But I I did so because I was training for something. I did so because I was uh, in the midst of being with a group training for something. And the group training is is something that's that's helpful for that as well. I think folks uh, get a little peer pressure, a little bit of competitive edge, a little bit of um, uh, that uh, sort of collective mentality of we're doing this all for good. The good for each other and good for ourselves. It's just a feel-good moment to exercise with groups of people. Um, And even if you only do that once a week, you got to stay true to it all week long because when you meet once a week, you got to be up with the rest of the crowd.
0: Right, (laughs) right. And if
1: you've been sandbagging all week long and you show up for your week-long sessions with the group, You ain't going to keep up you're going to be able to do it. And so it keeps you, holds you accountable uh, to a lifestyle because you've got this group that you're going to meet with in the end. Um, um, My deal about the gut health is um, that... (laughs) We are only just scratching the surface on what gut health is potentially going to be good for us long-term. And the understanding that we have of what gut health does for us is minuscule. It's a very tiny, tiny fraction of the information that is ultimately out there about what it can do for us. Uh, Case in point, um, you know, As far as the gut biome, uh, the gut flora, uh, improving our immune system and improving our nutritional status, our ability to digest certain foodstuffs and take in nutrients and micronutrients and and minerals and whatnot, Um, it it is said that the human body is made up of 100 billion cells. Right. Um, And yet there are a trillion bacterial cells in the body. Right. Ten times as many as there are human cells. So we are... 90% 90% bacteria. Yeah. We are only 10% human. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and my point about that is that anything that we do that disrupts that normal gut flora, whether we take an antibiotic for a little sinus problem or whether or not we eat differently, um, whether or not we have an illness that befalls us, uh, all those will have an impact on our gut flora. And subsequently, they'll have an impact on our health for some period of time following that. Right. And as you clearly pointed out, it takes months for that gut flora to recover after that sort of event has occurred. Um, so when we say, well, we got over our cold last week, or we took the antibiotic and got over our sinus infection last week, and I'm right. feeling better, well, I'm glad you feel better. But there's parts of you that will not recover for months after right. that process. My perspective on that is that all the training that folks are doing for getting ready for that 5K or getting down to that dress size by Christmas or losing the 10 pounds or getting their cholesterol 10 points better or whatever. Uh, all those surrogate markers, those short-term goals that people have in mind, they're, they're great for for things that they want to try to achieve. But from my perspective, what I see is people um, who are ill. Uh, right. I, I, I see a lot of ill people. I see a lot of injured people, people who have had um, unexpected injuries, surgeries, uh, unexpected illnesses, um, disease states that have come... And, My perspective on that is that how well they do going through that surgery, going through that illness, going through that injury, Mm -hmm. and how well they come out of it is based entirely on what kind of shape they were in going into that illness, that injury.
0: Right, right.
1: The better shape you're in, you're going in, the better shape you're going to be in coming out, and the better you're going to do through the illness and the recovery period following it. Some of that has to do with gut flora. Some of it has to do with gut bacteria. Some of it has to do with your immune system that comes from that gut flora. Right. Some of it has to do with physical fitness. So again, from my perspective, when folks are training, uh, they're exercising, they're eating right, what they're really training for is the unknown. They're, they're yeah. training for these episodes that have have not yet occurred, and maybe they won't. Uh, I'm, I'm not a pessimist right, I'm trying right. to, to wish upon anybody <laughs> illness or injury, but the reality is that bad things happen to good people, right. and if we're in the mode of being in a healthy lifestyle all the time, then we'll be ready for whatever comes next. Um, and it's that all the time mentality Um, that puts people in a lifestyle goal that has long-term goals. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to do this because it's a lifestyle. It's not just a surrogate thing. It's not just because I want to get in this shape by Christmas. Um, It's about this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, It's not just something that I'm performing because I'm trying to fix something. Um, And that's where the real transformation, I think, takes place in people's lives is when they accept that as... This is who I am. I I go for a 20-minute walk every day because that's who I am. Um, right. It's not because my doctor told me to do it. It's not because my blood pressure was high. It's not because my blood sugar was high. It's because that's who I am as a person. I, I walk 20 minutes every day. Right. Um, and, and that's where the long-term goal, you know, like you've said before, um, you do all that stuff up front, you, you trust the process. Right. And then everything else just follows behind. Um, exactly. It just comes into pl- place. So. That's what I try to instill yeah. folks, is that long-term goal, long time, long-term perspective.
0: Well, in looking at uh, a healthy lifestyle, and it's one of the things that I, I pulled this research um, study when I wrote my book, Confidence Through Health. Um, a healthy lifestyle is defined by a research study done by the Mayo Clinic Proceedings back in 2016 as having four characteristics. Exercising two and a half hours per week at a moderate pace, uh, following the government's nutritional recommendations, which... I'll leave that in there, but I, I don't think that they're necessarily too standard for what a healthy should be. But still, there's a lot of people that don't even get that. Uh, body fat percentage for men between 5 and 20% and women between 8 and 30% and be a non-smoker. So those are the four criteria that they set for being a hel- living a healthy lifestyle. So long-term, you know, this is who I am uh, for your life. And out of five thousand people that they studied, only two point seven percent of the participants met all four characteristics. So, with that, um, and it could be one of these. It's not on here, but what in 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 your practice and what you've seen, what's the biggest obstacle for people to live a healthy lifestyle?
1: Well, I've certainly never tried to be or advocated that other people be a two-percenter. Right. But but this is one of those rare exceptions. Right. Um, Yeah, it's tough, and I I think the obstacles that um, folks try to uh, overcome, folks struggle with in terms of meeting those criteria, um, there's there's not one thing. Uh, There's just so many things that people come up against with respect to obstacles uh, for their, their good health. I start with the premise that they all want to be in good health, that they all right. want to achieve good health. They want to have um, you know, long-term prosperity in their health, uh, overcoming illness, being able to withstand whatever comes their way, and to prevent preventable things. Uh, and many of them have had successes, at least intermittently in their life, in doing a lot of those things. They, they committed themselves to some level of physical activity. Um, good dietary habits, they weren't smoking. Um, They were doing the stuff that, you know, that we've told them all the the time to do. Right. And then something happens. Um, They get a promotion at work, and it means more time, and it means more time at work, and it means less time at home. Um, And, you know, they they took it with this idea that they needed to balance their ability to provide for their family, um, uh, to move up the professional chain, uh, provide financially. Uh, they robbed Peter to pay Paul to do it, um, and so the, the first thing that goes is their stop off at the gym on the way home from work every day now, or that getting up early to go for their run or their walk in the morning. They, right. they give that up in order to achieve this new professional goal, this new financial necessity for them. And then a few weeks leads to a few months, um, and... Uh, now they've just fallen off the ladder, not completely, not permanently, but long enough to have recognized a change in their their well-being, their health. They've gained 10 pounds, their right. blood pressure's up, they're not feeling good, they're not sleeping well, and then they come into me and we try to unravel that and get them back uh, on some sort of rec- recommended edu- uh, exercise regimen, good dietary regimen right other folks it was an illness um it was an injury uh, they got uh, injured in uh, either exercising or by other means um and so that uh, an extremity injury for example mm-hmm. takes them out of the loop for a while and just long enough for them to get out of the habit. Right, um, right. They lost some of their conditioning. They lost some of their um, their ability to do what they were doing before. It became a frustration for them. So uh, they didn't jump right back in because jumping right back in, they would be hit in the face with this sudden realization that they have lost some of what they had achieved before. Right. For other folks... Um, they moved, um, you know, they used to be walking around the track at the high school and now they moved to a neighborhood that they don't feel get, safe getting out and doing their exercise outside. Right, right. Uh, they got rid of their treadmill, you know, over the last uh, um, Christmas break and they donated it to Goodwill or they've sold it on eBay. Um, they, they moved to a smaller house or they moved to some other place where they don't have access to the kind of physical fitness equipment. or. Um, the the grocery store next door or whatever it was and so they're starting to eat more processed foods and things right. that are ready made and they just pop in and go um, they had kids oh my god oh yeah
0: that's a big one <laughs>
1: kids. that's a big kids one kids are a big one um, and multiple studies show that that uh, parents of small children they don't eat well <laughs> they don't yep. exercise well. Don't sleep well. Don't sleep well. The the (laughs) classic uh, one I hear um, is, okay, well, so exercise, are you doing that? Well, I'm running after two 18-month-olds. Okay, well, that's good. You're you're sitting on your death all day. But it's not exactly a sustained physical activity. Right. So so there's a lot of variables in terms of people um, sort of meeting those obstacles and trying to overcome those obstacles. But for me, um, I think the common unified um, uh, sort of Takeaway message from that is that it's mostly about time. Um, right. It's mostly about my day is so busy and I've got work and I've got kids and I've got this and I've got that. I don't have the time to exercise. And they look at those recommendations, two and a half hours. Oh my God, two and a half hours. I can't do. I can't do two and a half hours. Right. I could. You know, I don't even have. I don't have time to pee during the day. How am I going to get right. two and a half hours to to do all this? And so what I try to do is is I, I try to break it down into smaller pieces. I say, okay, well. Two and a half hours, 150 minutes a week. Um, You're looking at 30 minutes five times a week. You're looking at 50 minutes three times a week. You're looking at 20 minutes more or less every day. Right. And quite frankly, I don't care how busy a day you've had, how bad it's been, you've got 20 minutes.
0: Right. You just do. You have 20 minutes. Yep.
1: You're gonna watch 20 minutes worth of TV. Oh, easily. You are so easily So exercise in front of the TV for 20 minutes. Uh, Just run in place. Yeah You know do jumping jacks do a floor routine Um, You know go walk outside for 20 minutes for most people who who walk relatively moderate pace. That's a mile Um, Right, so you walk away from the house for a half mile you walk back. Yep, and it just because something you do every day psychologists say that it takes three months to either change or develop a new right, habit. Right. Um, and the only thing it takes is practice and time. Yeah. So those first three months, that's the hard part. You, you gotta find the motivation to change your behavior for three months. And what I tell folks, after we've developed some de- degree of relationship that I, I feel they can trust me in terms of, I'm in this for them, I'm right. in this for their health, this is right. not some, me having some sort of a, ulterior motive of Checking some boxes off and you know making my grade to you know get right. things by for you. Right. Um, is that if if you if you're the kind of person that is a caregiver for others, if you're the kind of person that's a parent mm-hmm. or a child of you know older parents, um, you have brothers sisters, you have people at work, and you care for these people. You do you perform for others. You're the person who goes out of your way to make sure other people do well. Right. But you would never do something for yourself. Yep. Many, many people fall into that category. They, they would lie down in traffic for other folks, oh, yeah. for their family, for their loved ones, and yet they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't do that same sort of thing for their own well-being. Yep. Fine. If you're not going to do it for, for you, uh, then do it for them. Right. Your ability to keep taking care of the people that you want to take care of in your life has everything to do with what kind of health you're in. Exactly. And if, and if you go for a walk for 20 minutes, think of it as, I'm going to go for a walk for 20 minutes for my kids. Right. Or, I'm gonna do it for my parents. I'm gonna do it for my spouse. I'm gonna do it for my loved one. Because so many people feel guilty when they're out there for 20 minutes taking time for themselves, thinking, I I should've been using this time to be with them. I I could've gone and got that stuff for them that they needed. I could've been with them at their side, helping them do whatever they need to do. And I feel guilty about taking this time out away from them for me. Right, right. Well, don't think of it in those terms. Think of it in terms of you're doing it for them. And the reality is, you are. You are. The, yeah. The better health you're going to be in long term, the more you're going to be able to take care of those folks and right. operating at full capacity to do so. If you don't have those other people, if you don't have that loved one, if you're not going to wear, okay, well then do it for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking you to do it for three months. All right. That's right. all I ask. If you can, if you can get out there 20 minutes a day, every day for three months. Um, it can become the habit that you want it to be. Yep. It, it, can be it can become the lifestyle that you're looking for to, to, to make for you. You know, fake it until you make it. Yeah, um, right. And, and and after three months, it becomes that, um, that part of who you are, like we were talking about right. before. Yeah. It's, it's not just something you do, it's just something you expect that you're going to do. And you don't have to start off with 150 minutes a week. We can start off with something lower than that move up. Um, And we don't have to start with it being overly vigorous. Uh, You can do as much of that as you like. And the more you do it, the more results you get. But we can just stick with the bare minimum. We can stick with just that 20 minutes a day, seven days a week. My long-term perspective on that is that I love that people enjoy, enjoy more vigorous activities, mm-hmm. that they run, that they go to CrossFit, that they do camp gladiators, they boot camp, whatever else. Right. Um, I love that they're motivated to get into better shape. But the reality is they're not going to do that when they're 90. You know, they're not going right. to do that until they're 90. They're going to do it for six months. They're gonna do exactly. They're going to do it until they achieve some short-term goal, but they're not going to do it forever. But walking 20 minutes, you could literally do that forever. Oh, yeah. Uh, until yeah. the day you die, you can be walking exactly. for 20 minutes. And you don't need any fancy equipment you don't need a gym membership you don't need any fancy clothes just a pair of shoes yep a pair of shoes and a place or a time to do it with so what i ask people to do in order to overcome those obstacles i and and i try to break it down into smaller pieces but then i ask them to do three things for me um first is to set a time right set a time of day when you when you absolutely are going to exercise that day it doesn't have to be the same time every day uh, but you can plan it out Sunday evening, you say, okay, well, over the course of this next seven days, or over the course of the next week, next week, when am I gonna exercise on Monday? What right. time am I gonna exercise on Tuesday? One Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and so forth. And then keep it like you would keep a scheduled appointment. Uh, we keep appointments all the time. We show up to oh, yeah. work on time, yep. we do things that, that require uh, a time and place. And and make exercise one of those things that you create a time and place for. Right. Put it on the on on your own personal calendar and then keep to it. Second thing is have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Because come Thursday, your plan was to go walking for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it was going to be, and it was raining. Right. Um, Or the person you're going to walk with isn't available. Or um, it got too dark too early, or it was too cold, or too wet, or too dry, or too early, or too late, or too light, or too hot, or too Monday, or whatever it was. You have to have a backup plan. Something you're going to do instead. And that can be jogging in place. It can be jumping jacks. It can be something you do indoors. Something you do at the mall. You can go walking at the church. You can go, right. um, just walk in place around your house, but you gotta, you gotta have that, that backup plan already in mind. You can't wait until the thing falls apart to develop right. a backup plan. Exactly. You gotta have plan B ahead of time. And then the third thing I ask them to do is to hold themselves accountable. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that if you've decided that you're going to exercise 20 minutes a day, seven days a week, and then comes Thursday and you, you just can't do it. It's just not gonna happen today. Right. I, I can't I can't make it today. I got too much going on. Fine. But tomorrow you gotta do forty minutes.
0: Right. Yeah, you gotta make yeah, up the you difference. You gotta make it up. You gotta yep. make it up.
1: And um, and two things will typically happen with that. Either they'll do the forty minutes tomorrow and then they'll still keep their 140, 150 minutes alive for the week. Right. Or, because they don't want to do 40 minutes tomorrow, they'll find 20 minutes today. Exactly. They'll squeeze it in someplace today because they just can't bear the thought of doing 40 minutes tomorrow. Right. It's, it's unfathomable to do 40 minutes tomorrow. Okay, fine. So I'll do it 30, 20 minutes today. But either way, they hold true to themselves. They keep mm-hmm. the promise. They keep the drive alive. Right. And they further the chance that this is going to become a lifestyle, not just something they're doing.
0: Right. Well, and that's, you know, it. it's key that, you know, compounding that habit, because once it becomes a habit, then, and you can talk to people who are like, I mean, they'll ask me all the time, like, oh my gosh, you run every day. Like, how do you run? How do you run? Some, I'm like, well, if I didn't on a day, like there's days where my wife will tell me, go out and run. Cause you're supposed to be off today. I know you're supposed to rest today. It's supposed to be recovery day, but you're just, you've got to go run. You're like your mental capacity. you, you need it. Um, and that's the funny thing that exercise does for us in our brain, the connection and, and how it wires our brain, um, and how it creates the neurotransmitters and how everything works, is that once you find out that you're doing it, not only is it going to be a habit, not only are you are going to be more productive, so you're actually going to have more time in your day, even though you're exercising 20 minutes of it, it, no matter how what kind of pace you're doing it at. Um, but on those days when you don't, for whatever reason, you're going to find yourself going a little crazy, yeah.
1: and and the the brain chemistry that changes with physical activity has been known for a long time. We haven't had a real good way of measuring that brain chemistry very well in humans, as right. you might imagine. Right. Um, the brains uh, humans aren't real uh, uh, fond of having their brain chemistry measured. Um, <clears throat> it's a little difficult process, but right. But in terms of laboratory animals, it's been measured and been proven. Uh, that, that I think it was a study back in 2004 in Japan, where they had. Um, Uh, be able to genetically engineer um, these laboratory animals that didn't have serotonin, uh, one of the most plentiful uh, neurotransmitters we have, uh, centrally speaking. And, um, and and they, they look fine. They eat, they breathe, they drink, they, slope, they sleep, they procreate, they do all the other things that the critters do. But then they stressed them. They put them in a, in a high stress condition where they were um, devoid of uh, food and water and they had too many critters in the same place. Right. So uh, these critters didn't do well. They maladapted, they were biting off their own fur, chewing off their own tails, they were attacking the other animals in the cage where they were drawn to the corners and, and weren't interacting appropriately. And they they measured a a substance in their nervous system called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and found it to be deficient. They gave them um, the uh, the Japanese equivalent of Critter Prozac, whatever that was back in 2004. (laughs) And, um, And they noticed that the BDNF levels went up and that they had more um, uh, appropriate interactions with other critters in the cage. They, they were looking for food and water and space, but they weren't doing any of these other maladaptive behaviors. Right. That was not the interesting part of the study. The interesting part of the study was the second part where they did the same critters, same crowded conditions, same stressful conditions, and this time they didn't give them the Prozac. All they did was they put them on a wheel, 15 minutes, twice yeah. a day, and they did the same things, the same improvement in BDNF levels and the same improvement in their appropriate interactions with other critters in the cage. Right. It has changed forever. Our understanding um, the paradigm in which we understand exercises pertains to stress management. Right. Um, for a long time we've sorta of thought of it as okay you had a bad day at work and so you stop off, you know, at the gym to work off your stress. Right. You take it out of the punching bag, you take it out on the you know the, the track, you take it out on the swim lanes, whatever, and you work off your stress. But this, this uh, study suggested something completely different, and that is that physiologically, physical exercise does something to protect you from stress. Right, um, It changes the way that your body both perceives and responds to the stressful environment you're in. The problem was that it's not very long-lasting. Yeah. You had to do it. Yeah. You know, so before you start installing a wheel in your living room, <laughs> in the side, you have to understand that the exercise you do on Tuesday doesn't help you on Friday. Right. It's the daily routine it's of a, some yep. sort of physical activity. And so, as you've clearly pointed out, you know, on those recovery days or whatever those days are, from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, even from a spiritual standpoint, Um, physical activity is going to change the way that your body performs in whatever environment you happen to be in. High stress, low stress, it doesn't matter. You're going to be, to some extent, dependent on that level of physical activity to keep you at your very level best. Right. Problem is, so many of us have gotten used to performing mid-level. Oh, yeah. And and it's just the daily grind that we're used to. And so for us, the lack of exercise doesn't make us feel any worse because we were already there. We were exactly. Once you get to that higher level and you're performing at your absolute best, you'll feel the difference when you don't go do it. Um, exactly. And and folks who have, who have been there, who have lived that sort of world, and then they get hurt or they get injured, they can't wait get to get back to where they yep. were before and and produce that something for themselves again. Um, and unfortunately, there's no pill that does that. There's right. A, there's no prescription that does that. It's it's uh, it's self-driven. Um, question is, how do you motivate people to get there? Um, yeah. And I think one of the frustrations for people is that they have um, either unreasonable goals about their lifestyle um, or maybe inappropriate goals about their lifestyle. Right. right. Um, They're thinking too much in terms of weight loss, too much in terms of inches lost, too much in terms of toning or flat bellies or a certain look uh, or a certain performance and and again, while those may be short-term motivators for long-term health, uh, they're oftentimes frustrating experiences for people yeah. who don't achieve those goals with the physical exercise and the dietary habits they're employing. And, um, and, and I really kinda, I, while I'll accept those goals mm-hmm. within folks who have them, I right. really try to, to refocus them away from those goals for long-term health because they can be damaging to the long-term plan.
0: Right, um, right, exactly. So
1: so that's that's one of the major options.
0: well and one of the things I tell you know it goes along with what you're saying is that I tell my clients like the number on the scale has very very little to do with your health um it gives us a benchmark to compare to other people and what we 've seen, but like where you are on the scale is not an indicator of how healthy your cells are and how healthy your organs are and you know and and i have a I have a client who she's she's actually coming to right about I guess we're a little over a year that she's been working with me and for the first six months it was the scales not moving the scales not moving the scales not moving and what she didn't realize in the first six months I didn't I didn't really want the scale to move I mean it that really didn't matter to me what mattered to me was changing her internal um, you know the process is going on changing her nutrition in and the, the cell function and when we met, uh, we, were, we met about nine months after she was in it. She's like, I need to meet with you. We need to just talk about some stuff because I'm frustrated. And I was like, okay. And this, she came to me. She was like, I, 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 can, I can walk maybe a mile. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not. She was like, I'm, I gave up running. I'm never going to run again. I know I'm never going to run again. That's, that's gone. And when, she met, when we met at nine months, a few months ago, she'd completed three or four 5Ks. She was thinking about doing a 10k at thir- at Thanksgiving. Um she was like, "I feel great. I think great. My productivity's through the roof. I'm happy." But the scale is But changing. the scale's not moving. <laughs> and I'm like, "Who cares about the scale?" Um you know, cuz like look at all these other and and that was literally her her list of positives and negatives and like the only negative was the scale's not moved. Absolutely. And everything else had changed for the positive. And you know, it's just it is, it's that mindset and getting past whether it's something that was brought up in society with you or, or through your family or you know um, peer pressure all those things are, are horrible in looking at what's going on in your health because everybody's different um, and, and everybody's bacteria is different in their, in their gut microbiome and so it's like we all may have the same bacterias but you've got different amounts than I do and so the, the magic pill or whatever it is that you, you see somebody else do that gets them massive movement on the scale doesn't work for you because you're a different person.
1: Right. And, and the societal norm that you should look a certain way or be a certain waist size or be a certain weight or have a certain muscle mass or look a certain way when you're not wearing clothes in front of the mirror. Right. Um, it, that That's unfortunately the great enticement, uh, the the lure that many people have in order to get into diet and exercise. Right. That, that's that's the uh, that's the bait uh, that they all yep. take in order to get there. And then it becomes the focus. It becomes the absolute uh, sine qua non of, of whether or not they achieve their goals is whether right. or not they achieve that look, whatever it happens to be.
0: Yep.
1: Um, and yeah, I would rather us just flow, throw the flipping scale out of the window yep. and, and not not ever look at it again. And, and I don't I don't mind people um, you know doing the body fat analysis at the beginning of their transformation. Right. right. Um, and then following that along. I do try to um, warn them that the BFA, the body fat analysis machines that are available on Amazon.com or what have you, they may not be that accurate, but they're they're relatively decent for following trends right. in a specific individual now, comparing other people may or may not be uh, worthwhile in that regard, or, or assigning a certain number may not be re- not worthwhile, but, but following your trends over time, when you're going through this metamorphosis, this transformational process um, of good diet, good exercise, good lifestyle, um, it can be rewarding. It can right. give you that little pat on the back that, see, objectively, I am doing something that's better for me. And, right. and so many people, I think, are, are caught up in the numbers. Uh, yep. They're caught up in, you know, again, what your blood pressure is or what your blood sugar is or what your cholesterol is or what your body weight is or what body fat analysis is or, or, or that sort of thing or what your waist size is. And and those all may be important numbers, but, um, but going through the transformative process of being healthier, exercising, dieting, being healthy, uh, whether it changes those numbers or not um, really has nothing to do with whether you were healthier as a result. Exactly. I mean, what you were just saying a moment ago is that uh, you know, heavy people who perform good dietary habits, good exercise habits, and, and are very good about their lifestyle habits, are healthier than skinny people who don't. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think that's lost in the translation when it comes to, you're skinny, therefore you must be healthy, and you're overweight, yep. therefore you must be unhealthy. And this sort of uh, blanket generalization that we make about people just based on what their weight is right. uh, is then what leads us to these uh, inappropriate goals about our own health when, when it comes to good diet and exercise. The frustration from that then, when you don't reach those goal, reach goals what do you do? You abandon what you were doing. Right. Even though it's leading you to better health you yep. abandon it because it wasn't achieving your specific goal. And yep. that, that's problematic.
0: Yep. It's a tough one. Yep. Well, and it's always it's always uh, you know you always hear the questions or when the the young you know fifty something skinny person has a heart attack and people go well how how, that how did that happen I <laughs> was well, like well if if they yes. weren't doing the things to take care of their internal health their weight has nothing to do with nothing it
1: nothing to do with whatsoever
0: so um, well you know before we wrap up um, you know I'm a big proponent of uh, having a primary care physician um you know i i see mine uh once a month or once a year and it's on my annual visit which is covered by insurance so it's no out of pocket to me and i go in and i say you know here's what's going on uh here's what i see here's what i feel what am i missing uh am i missing anything what what are you knowing from you know recent studies that maybe i'm not researching uh, what are you seeing from family history that I'm not picking up on because I'm just ignoring it or I, I, that's not going to happen to me type of scenario. Um, what, besides just being honest with you when they come in and saying, yeah, it, this really does hurt, um, and just trying to screw screw by it. What else can a patient do to help, um, you know, that relationship so that, so that you are truly in their corner helping them achieve that better health?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a very significant question as it pertains to the kind of quality benefit that's provided for a patient within the confines of a visit with a primary care provider. Right. What is it that we can do to maximize that 20 minute, 30 minute encounter to get the most out of what you can achieve in your annual health based on right. that one exposure? And I've come to the realization it's not possible. Right <laughs> <laughs> And so so one of the very few benefits that I've seen from this new techno- technological age of uh, practice of um, more modern medicine is, um, is, is portal access, right uh, email access that patients have to me on a on a daily basis. And what it does is it two things. Um, one is it gives them the, the ability to ask um, you know, relatively minor questions throughout right. the entire year that make a difference to their overall health. Uh, I, I kind of view it as the, as the bumpers in the gutters in the bowling alley. Right, you know, it, it's right. It's not major shifts. It's just kind of bumping you back into the middle of the of the lane. Right. And and a lot of people need that. All year long they, they come up with some question or some supplement or some exercise routine or something they read in a magazine yep. or on the internet or some friend told them about X, Y, or Z and they just want to know what I think about it or what what, what we're seeing about it. and. And, and I try to be as forthcoming as I can about um, both what we do know about it and what we don't right. know about it. Right, um, And I, I give them my own ten, two cents worth about what that means for them. But the second thing it does is it is it builds up to a, a very a high-quality visit when they do finally come and see me. Right. So so they've asked a series of minor questions, uh, sort of gearing us up to this culmination of a a face-to-face encounter when they finally come in, of a a much more detailed, informative um, uh, session that we have about their long-term health, their short-term goals, how they're reaching those, the stuff that they might want to change, because we can get... By with all the preliminary stuff because we've been doing that all year long
0: right, right. Um,
1: and some of that kind of information unfortunately just doesn't lend itself to uh, being typed in and short notes mm-hmm. some of it unfortunately is a more detailed explanation and a lot of that's done better off face to face just because it's easier for me to read the body language of a person I'm talking right. to if, if we're both on the same page and I'm moving you in this in the direction you're already going versus okay this is a, a whole complete diet uh, uh, you know uh, shift for you, paradigm shift for you, right. and I need to, to bring it back down a couple of levels in order to get you back up to where I am. Right, um, right. And uh, that's just better done face-to-face. And so yeah. the quality of that assessment, though, is built on this little bits and pieces all year long. And that's where I think primary care differs dramatically from other specialties. Um, if you write a note to your specialist, your endocrinologist, your neurologist, your cardiologist, I don't think you're getting a note back Right. Ever. Uh, you might get a note back from the nurse. You might get a little uh, quick that says, "Yeah, come on in. We'll talk about it." Right. But you're not going to get that sort of um, uh, bumper lane management all, all yeah. year long that yeah. is otherwise available with a primary care physician. Now, to my personal uh, life, that is a big detriment because I spend a lot of time doing that now that it needs right. to do. Right. But the quality of the assessments that we make when we come face to face is so much higher that it's worth it. It's, oh, yeah. it's so much better that it's worth it. Yeah. So um, so, so that's, I think, where the, the big change has been. The other minor thing, and, and you alluded to it at the beginning of your statement, and that is being honest with, with their primary care provider. Um, there's so many folks now that are doing things that they consider to be taboo. Right. Whether it's smoking marijuana, whether it's vaping, whether it's doing other drugs, uh, they feel uncomfortable um, sort of. Uh, both from a personal standpoint, right, uh, right. Uh, divulging that information to me, but also from a legal standpoint. They're worried about it getting out on the Internet or getting in their chart and that having right. not been pub- uh, published to their employer or to their insurance provider or to whoever else. Um, and so I think they have a real hesitation about being completely honest in, right. in the uh, in the encounter. Uh, I think that's born out of um, a lot of very real uh, concerns about the 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 the, uh, the well-being of health information, right? Um, you know the the the, uh, the security of that information. Unfortunately, has been tested time and time again recently, and um, I think people are right to want to be a little cautious about that, that right. kind of informed stuff. Well, when it comes to the time to being face-to-face, I tell them up I say, hey, we don't have to put this in the chart. And then, right. Tell me what's going on and yeah. tell me what we can do to, to help manage that. And they're usually a lot more honest with that.
0: Yeah. So Good.
1: But very helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I hope that this has been, uh, I, I, I mean, it's been helpful for me. And, and I know you and I know all this stuff. And it's always great to hear this stuff again and um, and truly understand how important it is to have a primary care physician that's, that's, if nothing else, you're seeing them once a year and getting a baseline for your health so that 10 years from now when some crazy thing happens and you go, oh, okay, well, we know how to deal with this because we have this baseline or, uh, you know, and it's, it's hard when you don't have a physician, you don't have a physician, you don't have a physician for years and years and years and then you go in because something's off and they're like, how long's it been? I don't know when were you back, when were you normal? I don't know. Like in, and there's no baseline to look at, you know, blood tests to see, you know, when something started creeping up, um, you know, or down depending on what it is and how that's affecting you. And so, um, you know, if, if nothing else, hopefully you got out of this, that, uh, you need to, you need to go see a primary care physician on an annual basis, um, and have them in your corner because they are in your corner. They're, 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 You know, vouching or not, they're fighting for your health. Um, You know, and 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 if you're if you really wonder about that, like you know, okay, well, they have a patient load that they carry, and you know, they don't want their patients dying because then they don't have any patients. (laughs) It's bad for business. You know, it's bad for business (laughs) to have your patients die. So they want you to live as long as you possibly can as well. So. you know, so if, if nothing else, they're in your corner for that reason. <laughs> but uh, I know that's not the biggest reason by any means that, that, that a good primary care physician uh, is in your corner. And if you if you go to one and you don't gel, um, you know, you don't have a good rapport, uh, you know, one, I always say, you know what? You always got to give everybody a second chance because you never know what was going on that day, um, You know, you never know who they were seeing the patient before they came in to see you and set them in a different mood because something was off. Um, You know, so go back again. But if if you get it twice and you get the same that y'all aren't just gelling, you're not connecting, they're not seeing, you know, health in the same perspective that you are. If you're looking at it in a healthy way, um, then, yeah, then 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 change, make a change to somebody that's going to relate well to you, um, because that's what you really want. And you want, you want to have that comfort level where you can relate to them and, and they relate to you and, and you'll have that relationship for years to come um, because that's really the key. When you, when you wake up and you're 55 years old and you're like, oh my gosh, how did I get so old and now I've got all these problems. When you've got years and years and years worth of visits to go back on, it's a lot easier than waking up and going, who do I call? Because I have no idea who to talk to
1: and what I try to tell people when they come to see me is is that I work for them you know i 'm right. their hired advocate i 'm here to advocate for your health, and what I tell them in terms of the relationship is that I am like your ship 's navigator you 're the captain of this ship you're right. going to we're going to go where you take us you 're going to spin the wheel, but i'm going to read the charts i 'm going to read the maps and i 'm going to tell you where the smooth waters are and where the not so smooth water are and i'm going to try to steer you into the the best sailing we can go. But you're still captain, and if you turn the wheel into those rocky shores, I'm right. going there with you. Right. <laughs> we're going to both go down together, or we're both going to sail victoriously together. Right. But I'll be there the whole way in your ear telling you, okay, this is where we should go, boss. Right. Um, but I, I, I'm still working for you. I, I'm your humble servant. So, And then, if you, don't, if you don't like it, you can always fire me and get, the, get a different navigator.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> um. Well, that's a great analogy, and I'll, and I'll reiterate what I said at the beginning that, that if you're in the Waco area and you need a primary care physician um, and it's insurance approved, uh, it, I would definitely call um, Dr. Blackman. Uh, he's with Providence um, and, and get in to see him because I can guarantee you he's, he's in your corner and he's going to make decisions with you that are going to be uh, in the best interest of your overall health. Uh, they may not be, you know, decisions that you like necessarily to hear because they may mean change, but they're they're long term, uh, good health decisions for you, and that's what he's he's all about. And uh, highly recommend him. So, thank you for coming on. Absolutely, um, Enjoy Glad it. to have you. And yes, um, I guess we'll be in touch soon. All right, look forward to it. Thanks for checking out the All in Health and Wellness Confidence Through Health podcast. Our goal is to use health as a conduit to help you reach your goals in life.